Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. And allow me to bring you greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. Greetings from horse country or California, from the family at Harvest International and from my family. We are continuing today to look at questions Jesus asked. Right now, I'd like you to join me in a word of prayer, asking God to make my message clear and your heart open and my heart open. Loving God, our Heavenly Father, we've come through a week of turmoil and trouble all over the world. People scrambling for their lives. Wicked people shooting, killing, robbing, destroying the lives of others. And Father, we know that people are asking, where is God in all of this? And I know, dear Lord, that you want to say to each of us, I'm right here, if you allow me entry, if you'll open the door of your heart and come in. And as long as wickedness covers the earth and disobedient people reject your word, we know that this is coming. And your word tells us, it's appointed unto people, men, women, once to die, and after this, the judgment. Lord, may my message today be your message. Take my thoughts, my words. Lord, watch over the radio stations and all the platforms for which this message will be heard, and make them meaningful, and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Well, we are continuing to look at the questions Jesus asked. And today we pick up from where we left off last week, looking at the seaside breakfast meeting between Jesus and seven of his disciples. To recap, the disciples had gone fishing all night. And there were fishermen among them, but they came up empty. It was morning time. And Jesus encounters them and surprises them by sending them back into the lake that they had just come from. And he told them to cast the net on the other side, quite different from experienced fishermen knew. But they did, and there was a miraculous catch of fish. That encounter led to one of Jesus' teaching questions, one for all of them and one for Peter in particular. Now, for those of you who have not been with us on the days when we've talked about the questions that Jesus asked, I'm impressed with the fact that each question Jesus asked of people with whom he met while he was here on earth, he had a lesson behind the question. He wasn't seeking for information. He used these questions as moments to teach. The encounter with those disciples on that morning led to another teaching opportunity. I trust that your mind will be engaged 
and your heart stirred as we take a few moments to look at that morning meeting. I want to divide our little conversation into three sections. Jesus' intent, that is, the intent of Jesus before the questions were asked. Jesus' inquiry, the actual questions. And then Peter's inhibition, because he'd be the focus of the question that Jesus asked today. Whenever Jesus asks a question, he has a pre-planned motive. We've observed that with all the encounters that we see him engaged in in the New Testament. You might even say he had a hidden agenda, because it wasn't always clear to the person listening to the question where Jesus was going. As we explore the New Testament records of Jesus' question, we find that something profound emerges either in the response the person makes or in the circumstances that emerge from that conversation. Here's an example. In John 4, you remember, Jesus met the woman at Sychar's well. And Jesus, after a brief conversation about water from the well, and water from himself, the living water, Jesus turns a statement, but it really was a question underneath. The question that he intended was, where is your husband? He simply said, go call your husband. And that brought the response that Jesus knew to be the facts. The question implied was that you don't have a husband. And out of the conversation, she responded with honesty, I don't have a husband. And Jesus explained to her what he knew about her. He wanted her to confront her personal spiritual need. Let me stop right here and suggest to you that in all of life's circumstances, if Jesus is going to meet us there, he wants us to acknowledge that we're there. We must come face to face with our own reality. It's called conviction. The Holy Spirit of God convicts us of sin. And we must admit, enter into it, confess our sin, embrace Jesus as Savior. That's the gospel, my friend. Simple as that. Let's take a look at another one. In his encounter with Nicodemus, a, a nighttime meeting. Jesus listens to the plaudits of the learned gentleman, and after outlining what Nicodemus really needed, he asked a question. Are you a teacher in Israel, and yet you do not understand this? I suppose Jesus may have gone on and said, Nick, what part of this don't you understand? Thus Jesus announces the message, the greatest message the world has ever known, the love story, the greatest love story ever told. It was from this question and answer session that there was announced the most well-known Bible verse, John 3.16, for God, for God so loved the world. Jesus' questions are intentional and they always produce teachable moments. Jesus' message to you today is intentional. 
very intentional. He's calling your name. He's calling my name. Will you then intentionally respond to Jesus? Will you, like the woman at the well of Sychar, tell Jesus that you want the living water? Or like the Jewish teacher of the law, Nicodemus, will you tell Jesus from within the quietness of your own heart today that you want to be born again? That was the message for this learned, intellectual, highly positioned Nicodemus. Jesus has a question with your name written all over it today. Jesus asked intentionally. His inquiry. Jesus' intent can usually be seen only as the situation unfolds. But it is also true that the person being questioned knows where Jesus is headed or they get there. At least it isn't long before the listener gets the point. The the inquiries of Jesus makes it not usually to get information. They usually serve as a window to the mind of the person being interrogated. This brings us back to where we left off with Jesus and Peter at the breakfast meeting at the, at the beach. Peter, the ringleader, had suggested an overnight fishing trip, and you know the story, we just read it, but they didn't catch anything. Let me just interject here that Jesus knows exactly where you are right now. He knew where they were all night. He came right to where they were. Jesus is coming to where you are. And I am suggesting that perhaps he has come there before and you turned your back on him. He won't always plead. There comes a time when God's Spirit will stop pleading with you. It's time. It's time to stop and turn around. He knows of where you stand in your relationship with Almighty God. He knows of the hiding game you've been playing or trying to play. The omniscient Jesus knows that you have to speak your toiled night life for you. Oh, you may have the whistles and the bells, the cars and the houses and the land, but deep in your gut when you go to sleep, there is that gnawing feeling that there's something more. And I suggest to you that just like Nicodemus, just like the woman at the well, just like Peter, you need Jesus. He is the answer. He's the way. He's God's only way of redemption. Perhaps we would reason that Peter was one of those who made the promises. You recall? You remember he promises Jesus, he promised Jesus rather, he would die with him. And perhaps that's why Jesus picked Peter out, why he kept asking him, do you love me? He was trying to remind him that three times he denied him. He had the opportunity to identify with Jesus and he wouldn't and he couldn't. When they were taking him to the judgment hall, he followed, yes, but way back in the back. Where are you today as Jesus is asking for you? As Jesus is calling your name, child, mother, father, son, daughter, wayward son, Jesus is calling your name. But I want to take the remaining moments and point up an important difference. When Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? He used the Greek word agape, which means sold out love. All love. Lay it on the line. Die for your brother. 
But when Peter responded, he used the word phileo, which means a kind, good, high word, very, very meaningful, but not an all-out, sold-out love. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. He said that on the long last walk he had with his disciples as they were going to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus Christ would be arrested, and from there he would lay down his life for his friends. He said those words, knowing what he was going to do for them in just today's time. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, he says. He laid down his life, and he rose again, and he said to Peter, this lover of Jesus, but not an agape love. He nevertheless said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. You see, Jesus Christ isn't waiting for your perfection. The Spirit of God will do that in your life. Wherever you are, however you are today, say yes to Jesus. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Young person, don't take your life. Don't take another pull of that deathly substance. Turn to Jesus. He's able to save you and give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Bow your head right in you and say, Lord Jesus, I embrace you as my Savior. I no longer want in sin. Save me for your name's sake. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478.